Welcome to Ormwood Church in Atlanta, Georgia, and to our podcast where we share our Sunday sermons for those in Ormwood Park, Atlanta, and beyond. Our mission is to welcome everyone to explore the living God in all of our neighborhoods, and we value welcoming others, opening our minds, being of service, and participating in whatever ways God calls us. We hope you learn, grow, and find a place to belong with us. We are headed into week five of our discipleship series, and it's all about community today. So we're going to be reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Listen now for a word from God. When Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many gathered around that there was no room for them, not even in the front door, and he was speaking the word to them. Then some people came, bringing to Jesus a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And when they could not bring the man to Jesus because of the crowds, they removed the roof above him. And after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, Why does this fellow speak in this way? It's blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And at once Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were discussing these questions among themselves. And he said to them, Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Stand up and take your mat and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Stand up. Take your mat and go to your home. And the man stood up and immediately took the mat and went out before all of them, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. So, at the beginning of the sermon, I want you to go back with me to 1989 and one of the best comedic coming of age movies of all times, Troop Beverly. Hills. Now, you might want to argue with me, but I will not hear it. The film is about this hodgepodge group of wilderness girls, like Girl Scouts, who are all going through the roughest years of adolescence and experiencing anything from divorce to neglect. They are also the children of Hollywood's elite, so they often have skills at shopping, maybe, but not at those basic tenets of a wilderness girl like survival. The troop's leader, quits unexpectedly, and now an unsuspecting mother, who is having her own family collapse, decides to band them together again. She's determined the troop will succeed. But they must take on an opposing troop leader, Velda, her arch nemesis, who will do anything to see the Hollywood troop disbanded. So we are going to fast forward to one of the final scenes where all of the California Wilderness Girl troops are competing to win the Jamboree, a wilderness course competition. Troop Beverly Hills has been sabotaged early in the race by Velda, but then they find Velda abandoned in the woods by her own troop with a broken ankle. And although it will most certainly mean they cannot win the Jamboree, the girls decide to lace their backpacks together and build a carrier to haul Velda out of the woods, saving Velda but destroying their chances at winning. It is basically, besides a couple added details, the same story as the one we read today in the Gospel of Mark, right? 
I am only kidding. But we know this motif. The teammate turns around to help a struggling friend climb up the climbing wall in the army course. Or I'm sure you can think of countless movies or books where a similar thing happens. The group slows down, even stops in order to help the struggling friend succeed or even survive. A friend of mine was hiking in the backwoods of California in the fall of 2020 when she slipped down a ravine during a rainstorm. Her husband was able to pull her out, and luckily he's also an ER nurse and was able to stabilize her knee. Um, But by leaning on him as her second leg, they eventually wobbled out a few miles to a parking lot where she was then taken to the hospital. We need each other. (laughs) We might like to think that we can do things all by ourselves, by our grits or our guts or abilities, but there is at some point a wall that we will face that is too tall too slippery, or our bodies, our minds, our hearts are just not strong enough to get where we need to go on our own. It is the human condition. These do not need to be places of shame, and nor do we need to agonize over the question of sin and forgiveness as we saw um, the scribes get tangled up in with Jesus. That was decided long ago. But what we do need, (laughs) what we really need, are people who will enter into our lives strap us to a carrier and a mat and get us where we need to go. Enter discipleship. And enter at least 12 specific disciples around Jesus, but also all the people who made decisions to listen, to follow, and to seek Jesus throughout his ministry together, like these five unnamed people in our story. In our story, Jesus is gaining popularity People have heard that he's wise and has powers to connect people with God and with love and with healing. So they want to encounter Jesus. And in our story, none more so than these five people attempting to get into the house to see him. Four of them are carrying in the middle a man who is paralyzed and lying on a mat. I imagine the man expressed to his friends how much he wanted to see Jesus, to see if Jesus is the kind of person who can change his life, maybe even change his body. The friends say yes and pick him up, but they get to the door of the house where Jesus is staying, and there's such a crowd. I'm sure they shouted, they jostled, they probably argued with those in the way, but there's no use. One of the men eyes the thatched roof and suggests they peel it back and dig out a space to lower the paralyzed man through it. I do often wonder also if the man was terrified of this idea, or gung-ho, but they can't go through the crowd. They can't get to Jesus horizontally, so they decide to go vertical. The four men get their friend into the presence of God in whatever way they can. And by golly, that is a good definition of discipleship. That is a good definition of communal discipleship. Getting people into the presence of God in whatever way we can. When world-renowned anthropologist Margaret Mead is asked by a student, what was the first sign of civilization? She did not say fire or building an army or erecting a house. She said the first sign of civilization was the repair of a femur. If you broke a femur, you couldn't get to the river for water, you couldn't outrun a predator, you could not survive. So Mead claimed that getting someone the help they need to survive in the world was the first act of civilization, of a maturing community. And I'd say this understanding is very similar to discipleship. 
If you thought a relationship with God was a one-on-one endeavor, I'd like to remind you of the stories we've already heard this morning about how going it alone is not sustainable physically. There's broken ankles, knees, paralysis. But the same is true of our inner lives, be it emotional or relational or spiritual. Following God, receiving what we need from God, finding God when we've lost her, all of these are more often than not team efforts, or at least involve some supporting actors. Yes, this does mean being vulnerable with people. You have to tell people when you're hurting or struggling or confused. You have to, like the paralyzed man, tell people what you need. And yes, this does mean allowing others to sometimes strap you to a spiritual carrier and drag you into the presence of God, maybe even through a roof. And yes, this does mean learning alongside or even from others who are also walking the way of Christ. But by committing to doing this life of faith with others, we will not be left in the woods at the spiritual jamboree. We will not be down a ravine with no one to drop a rope to pull us out. We will not be alone, which is never where God intended us to be in the first place. I'm not sure why we have glorified going it alone, or what about our upbringing or culture or conditioning has caused us to think that we are able to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, which is actually a physical impossibility. I'm not sure when we started to believe that that particular impossible thing was actually the thing we were supposed to do. There are literally no bootstraps you can pull on your own. There are only bootstraps that others can pull from the leverage of being out or being beside you or having their own strength and experience. That's the kingdom of God. That's the Acts 2 church we talked about this fall. That's the cloud of witnesses from the book of Hebrew. That's the community of saints we remember on All Saints Day. That's the church, not the building, but the people. So I invite you as you consider what it means for you to be a disciple of Christ to come to Jesus and to come to God. But if it feels hard, if you feel paralyzed, reach out. Ask for a spiritual stretcher. I guarantee you that even if you have to lay down on it and be pulled along by one of us, you will rise again, healed, and you will be strong enough yourself to someday grab the corner of someone else's mat and haul them up to the roof. Together, we are stronger because disciples get each other to God, no matter the point of entry. Disciples get each other to God, no matter the point of entry. Amen.